first week we talked about getting excited, and um, then we talked about owning it, and we've been studying, I don't know if you've brought in the book, but this is the book, it's got, you know, literally these guys who did trick shots wrote a book about going big, and so we're going to kind of take a look at that. Before we get started, uh, we're, I'm going to say just a quick word of prayer, uh, and we'll get right into it. God, we just come before you tonight. God, we're just excited to be up in the loft and just have this change of scenery and we're excited about what you're doing through this series. Uh, Father, I pray that it would just be another uh, talk, another Bible lesson. God, that we would truly uh, learn some things today that would change our hearts and our lives as we look at this idea of going big, not just for the fun of it, God, but going big for you and for your kingdom. God, we love you and praise you. We ask God in your name. Amen. 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 So, uh, we're just going to get right into it. Uh, to recap, we talked about the, the idea of go big and the, the get excited and own it. And Aaron had shown you some of uh, some of their videos. If you if you're new to the series, uh, these guys called Dude Perfect are basically like a YouTube group that make trick basketball shots, and they're uh, named one of the top ten uh, you know YouTube fran- YouTube franchises uh, in the world. So they're one of the you know top ten most views, and, and so those people have quite a bit of influence in different things on their own website. And they basically what they do is they do stupid basketball shots. People think they're cool and then they watch them. And so uh, we've been showing you a couple different ones. This is one that has to kind of have to do with inspiring others. So you guys can go ahead and check this out. Yeah! <laughs> 
same. So that's kind of this video where we're, we're, we're looking at tonight. And, and like I said, I know it's kind of silly to do a series based on this, but uh, it's, it, it's, we've seen a lot of fruit already with kids really uh, you know, kind of getting moved by what uh, you know, we're talking about, owning it and getting excited. And so today we're talking about inspiring others. And we showed that video because uh, at this point in um, kind of do, I don't, I don't want to call it a career, it's kind of silly to call it a basketball shot to career. Uh, but this, uh, at this point, you know, some, not even all the guys are there. Some, some guys split to do some other things. And, um, these guys at this point are, uh, they're really not that big yet, but they're gaining momentum, they're getting excited, and uh, they decide to shoot another, the camp edition. You know, that's a place just like, uh, you know, when we go up to Paul Retreat, you know, they were at a Christian camp working as counselors, and they took their off time to kind of make that video, and, you know, they're inspiring other people, you see all the kids in the pool, and they're just all crowding around, and they're getting excited about what's going on, and who knows how long they waited to actually see them make a shot, but you see all over, um, at this point, these people are just gaining all this momentum, and everyone around them is getting excited, so, uh, you know, these guys wrote a book, they talk about this, this part of their lives, about how they were just trying to inspire others and, and gain some more momentum, and one of the first points they make is that momentum is key if you're going to inspire uh, other people. And if you take a note, momentum is defined like this. The unified movement of a group of people in a certain direction, okay? And, it, and it's all about having people around you, in front of you, behind you, and it's not something that you're just doing on your own, okay? Um, it, it, it's, it's people taking unified action towards a common goal. There's something you want to accomplish and you're going at it together. Right? And so this happens when people rally around a common you know, idea, uh, a purpose, a goal, a cause, a feeling, some kind of emotion, something, doesn't no matter what it is, if it's trick basketball shots, so be it. You know, if it's 10,000 strong, that's something that we've kind of rallied around. But to create momentum, you have to be unified going towards something. These guys, it was their uh, their basketball shots. You know, we've talked a lot about getting excited. We've talked a lot about owning it. But up until this point, those were things that you needed to do or I needed to do individually. And today we kind of turn the corner of this series and we start talking about what we do as as a, as a group, not just on an individual basis. And so. They're starting to do that in these go big guys. They tell a story in their book about one of these things they were able to do that would inspire others. All right, and, and it's, it's kind of stupid, and, and, and you know, tonight's really lighthearted. It's not one of those deep theological messages, but there's some principles that I want to share with you guys. And the first one that they start talking about uh, this thing that they do. Corey, who's kind of the guy, I don't know if he ever really makes any of the shots. He might be in one or two, but Tyler is like the shorter, stackier guy who makes all the shots. And uh, all the big ones, and uh, but but Tyler uh, uh, Corey is the guy who put me, it's his YouTube account, and he's a lot of the, he does a lot of the behind the scenes uh, scene stuff, and he has this idea that he wanted to get a mascot, something, uh, an idea, or something that the dude perfect people could rally around, and so he goes on uh, Google like any of us would do if we needed to do some research, and he starts looking at mascots, and he comes across this idea of a panda bear, and. He buys it. He's like, all right, you know, we got this. You know, he, he buys a panda bear, and you know, they, they start wearing the suit in a lot of their videos, and we might show you some later. If you go on, go home and you know, check out their site. You know, the, the panda is its own like uh, person in Dude Perfect. The panda is kind of 
their mascots. And it really all started, as these guys went to Texas A&M, and they were, uh, which is the Aggieland, and they did the Aggieland shot, and um, they get this panda, and they go to one of the basketball games, uh, the men's basketball games, and it just starts to kind of gain momentum. People love the panda. They talk about, you know, uh, each one of the guys, there's four guys, and they all split time being panda. That's his name. No one person is Panda. He has no one personality. But they talk about when you when you become Panda, all of a sudden you, your self-esteem just goes skyrocketing. Like you can dance. You can do all these things that you would never really do in front of other people. And so they, they go to these, these games, and they talk about how you always need a, a Panda spotter because Panda can't see very well. And it's pretty funny when you, when you read the book. They, they, they go to these games, and he just kind of waves, you know, and they talk about, you know, you can, there's a lot of ways to distract a shooter, but there's nothing like a black and white bear suit, you know. Uh, you, you see, like, oh my goodness, there's a panda bear right there. He's not real, but undoubtedly, you know, people are noticing this black and white mascot that has nothing to do with what an Aggie, I don't know what an Aggie is, certainly not a panda bear. And so it kind of gains a little momentum, and, you know, people are talking about it. It's all over Facebook that night, and... The next game, they bring them back, and it's gaining more momentum. And then the, the third week, they said they, they, they got there, and like all the, there's all these signs that say pandemonium. You know, it's, so it's pretty sweet. Like the, the whole school has kind of gained momentum and inspired these people. And then they said they're leaving in that third week, and out of nowhere, they're trying to find Panda. They can't find him, and he is with the ESPN crew patting uh, whatever the analysts and hanging out with these guys and all of a sudden Panda has gone national and he, they've kind of built this momentum. It was uh, when Aaron came to me and said he wanted to do this series, I got this text from him that's like, dude, we should get a mascot, like a rhino or something. And I'm, like, I'm thinking in my head, like, I, you have to be kidding me, right? Like, so the first thing you want me to do is take over youth ministry and, hey, guys, you know, my, my first action is let's, let's buy a rhino. That would really inspire everybody. This youth pastor really knows what he's doing. And I'm thinking in my head, like, this is so stupid. Like, well, I don't get it. Like, you didn't return the text, by the way. I, I, I'm thinking in my head, like, how do I? I just kind of let this one go. But I was reading the story, and I text Aaron, dude we got to get a rhino. And I can just envision this this you know, this rhino, we call him Crash, you'd have an element t-shirt, you know, like walking around the mall, waving to people, kind of creating this excitement and handing out free passes and going to, to you know, high school football games, just showing up and, you know, maybe walking around on Friday night and kind of doing, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's yet for the visionary team to decide. But it's this idea of having something that you rally around, whether it's a mascot, whether it's a secret handshake, whether it's a catchphrase, doesn't matter what it is. It's this idea of having something to rally around. Uh, they also wrote um, a story in the book that touches dear to my heart because, uh, you know, I've actually uh, been on, uh, I didn't donate to this, but I read up on the website and it's something that happened in Detroit recently. And some of you may have heard about this, but we talked about gaining momentum and inspiring others to do something. In the city of Detroit, one of, do you guys know who Detroit's greatest hero is? Does anyone know? Like a movie star that just, you know, like Philadelphia has Rocky, all right? Well, Detroit has RoboCop. Now, you, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie RoboCop, because it's a little bit older, uh, but when I was growing up, RoboCop was sweet. And, and he was... The story was based out of this uh, Detroit police officer. And so they actually went online, and the guy 
uh, wrote, I don't know, it's congressman, I don't, I don't know how the whole story goes, but he started kind of planning this idea of, hey, Detroit needs a monument to RoboCop. And they started talking about that and, and, and getting people kind of inspired behind this idea. And they've already raised the money. They have, they've raised over uh, $70,000 to build a statue of RoboCop in the city of Detroit. I think it's one of the parks. And I'm not sure if they're going to do that. But it's one of those ridiculous examples of how if you can get a little bit of momentum and inspire people, you can really accomplish anything, even if it's as silly as building a statue of RoboCop, which I personally think is pretty awesome. And I can't wait to go see uh, the RoboCop downtown. You, know, you can do it on things that really have a, make a bigger difference for the media, a RoboCop. But, you know, we're talking about hard work and getting um, you know, some momentum behind that and really making a difference. Um, and like I said, it can be something so small. It can be a song. It could be you know, an event. Uh, it could be anything. And I, I want to talk to you guys today uh, out of the story of Nehemiah because I think his story uh, just completely relates to what we're talking about tonight. So if you have your Bible, I want you guys to go and open up uh, to Nehemiah. It's uh, right before Job and Psalms in the Old Testament. And to give you guys some backdrop, if you're not a, a Bible buff and you don't know kind of the history of the Old Testament, you guys have probably heard the Exodus. The Exodus was the Israelites. They were in slavery. They got set free, okay? They go and they, they conquer uh, the promised land. They go set up uh, their, their nation of Israel, and they, 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 they set up some kings, and they rule for a while. Uh, they have a couple disagreements. The kingdom splits. Um, and then there's a point where um, you know, their prophets are going to Israel, and they're basically telling them, like, hey, you're doing everything wrong. God is not happy with you. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And there's kind of this downward spiral away from God. And what ends up happening to Israel is that they, they, they fall. The whole city falls. The, the Persian Empire to the east comes in and basically wipes them out, takes them into slavery, and they live in exile over in Persia under King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? So that's, that's what happens to Israel. That's kind of the story of the Old Testament. At this point, we pick up where Nehemiah is. Uh, at this point in exile, the Israelites were granted uh, the permission to go back to, to their home to kind of rebuild their people. That was led under uh, Ezra, uh, a priest. And they went back, and they've been doing that for some quite some time now. And um, uh, now enters uh, Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is kind of uh, the second generation, the third generation, going back to kind of rebuild uh, Jerusalem, uh, rebuild Israel. He, uh, when we pick up the story, um, Nehemiah is just kind of a regular guy. He got some special permission. I'm not going to read the entire story of Nehemiah, but if you guys are interested, read it. You know, kind of in quiet times this week. It's a pretty cool story. We're going to pick it up. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 through 20. I'm going to read the whole thing. Hopefully I can get through it. I'm going to get a little water before we, I read that verses. All right. In the month of, uh, what would you say, the 20, 20th year of King, King Artaxerxes, well, am I in the right direction? 11. That was 1. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're going to go to 11. We're going to go to 11. All right, here we go. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mouths with me except the one I was riding on. By the night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem. 
which have been broken down, and its gates, which have been destroyed by fire. Then I moved toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by the night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or anyone else who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you can see the trouble we are. Jerusalem lies in ruins and the gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding so they began this good work. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is it that you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? Okay, so here's what's going on. Nehemiah makes it back to Jerusalem. The first part, he's surveying. He's riding his horse or his mount or his donkey, whatever he's on, I'm not really sure. He's checking out his home, where his ancestors live. And it's kind of a dreary scene. You know, everything's in rubbles. You know, it's kind of, it kind of makes me sad when we go through Metro Detroit and you see all these buildings after buildings after buildings closed down. It's like that, but much, much, much worse. It's kind of like looking at Detroit and you have all these abandoned buildings that are burnt down and you hear stories about how great it was and how great the, the, um, you know, the, the train station was and the big, uh, you know, the big mall or Macy's building down there. And, you know, my dad would drive me down and tell me where he lived and I'm like, dude, I don't even, I don't even feel safe it's kind of crazy. Um, it's kind of like that. And so Nehemiah is walking around, and he gets this idea, this thing in his heart. And he comes up with this, this idea to inspire others, to get people moving in the right direction. And to him, it's a project. He says, hey, let's rebuild this wall. Let's rebuild it. And it's not necessarily that they were in danger and that they needed to rebuild this wall. It wasn't that you know they were going to get attacked right away if they didn't. But the story of Nehemiah is that you know he's hurt. He's he, he, you go back to before he traveled back to his home. Man, he got excited. The Bible says he was weeping over uh, his people, over his, his people's situation where they lived. He got excited. He owns it. He goes up to the king where he is in exile, and he knows that he could get killed if. If he asks, but he goes ahead and asks. He owns up. He takes some steps toward in the right direction. He asks, hey, king, would you mind if I went back? My people uh, really have um, you know, not a whole lot going for them. I would like to rebuild our wall. The first step, he gets permission. He goes, he starts inspiring these people. And I don't care you know, what it is uh, in your life. It, it doesn't have to be rebuilding a wall. You know, it, it doesn't have to be doing goofy trick shots or building a panda costume. But as we've talked about this go big idea, and we've talked about what excites you, I want you guys to be thinking about it. What is it that you can do to help rally people around you? You can do this on a small scale, a big scale. What is it? Something like a handshake. Something that creates uh, just camaraderie and an idea that can connect you emotionally. See, the panda, it connected people emotionally. When they saw it, they resonated with with being excited for Aggie basketball, okay? You know, we talk about a rhino, we talk about this idea of 10,000 strong, it's just a number, but we get excited about what that means for our community and what we can do and how we can be a part of that, okay?
Okay? So the first step in inspiring others is really creating momentum through something that can connect us emotionally, no matter what that is. Okay? As I ended that story, you heard uh, a couple names are a little bit crazy. Sambalat, which Julie, we know the guy's name. I don't know. Sambalat. All right. You had uh, this guy named Tobiah and Geshem. Geshem's not too bad. What do they? No. I don't like Geshem. Maybe it's like Geshem. Doesn't flow. Doesn't flow. All right. So. I want to get this next part and kind of this next point. And I mentioned those guys because they were people, they weren't Jews. They didn't resonate with what Nehemiah was saying. They were the people who, who lived there that had kind of been uh, the, the, the people in charge, the rulers of the area. And they were kind of exploiting the Jews who lived in Israel at that time. And so for them, uh, you know, Nehemiah had permission to build the wall from the Persian king, but the people in the area were like, we don't want you to do it. Why, why are you getting special treatment? Why are you uh, uh, able to have this, um, you know, this perk where you can, you know, we don't want you building this wall. You know, we, we want to oppress you guys. So they're what I like to call a troll, okay? Now, a troll, how many people have heard the word troll before? You guys play video, especially the guys who play video games, or or if you're on the internet enough, uh, uh, you know, if I were to go to UrbanDictionary.com, a troll would be someone who is, you know, on a video game or just on a forum or something, and they're intentionally trying to screw stuff up and mess with people. Their 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 whole goal is to make people angry and um, just kind of mess with people, and you know, you always, you know, if I'm playing a game and these people are just, you know, intentionally uh, messing up your game. You, you write DFT, which is don't feed the trolls, meaning like don't even respond to these people because these people are, they don't care. They don't actually making a point. They just want to get a reaction out of you, okay? And so, Geshem, Sambalat, and Tobiah, they're trolls. They're trolls in Nehemiah's plan. Okay, that's basically what these guys are. And I want to talk about trolls for a second. Basically, why do trolls exist? Now, in the internet world, they exist because they can, and because no, you know, you, you have the safety of thousands of miles of space in between you, and they don't. There's no fix. So you can troll all you want, and there's no really repercussions for that. But in your spiritual journey, in your go big journey, there will be people who tear you down and tell you that your dream is not worth it and that you should just give it up. And so why do these kind of trolls exist? I don't think that they're just out there just to mess with you. These trolls are a little bit deeper. They actually oppose what you're trying to do. And we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about that in just a second. So why do trolls exist? All right? The main reason trolls exist is because they don't quite understand your position, okay? See, they can't go back to the experience that you had where that dream was birthed. That the, the circumstances led up to, that lead up to your current position and where you are, they can't experience that. So what do they do? How do they handle their inability to relate to your dream and what you're doing? And, and the truth is, some choose to hate. They hate on you, 
They hit on your team. They hit on the time that you spend and the time it takes to accomplish your dream. They do not. They they do not understand why you spend so much time doing what you do, and their lack of understanding leads them to underestimate your dream. So relate that to this go big idea. I know some of you, especially you know kids on the front line, where you've gone the extra mile and you said, "I want to make my high school years about serving God and and going after Him and making a difference in my high school." And trolls exist in all these different ways. Quite honestly, a troll could be a parent that says, "Why, why do you spend so much time at that youth group? I wish you would spend uh, more time practicing, you know, basketball or something like that." Trolls could be um, just people that come up to you, you know, on, and your your friends, your peers, and maybe they're not intentionally griefing you, but they just don't get it, and so they begin to ridicule you or ask you why you do what you do. It could be people in the youth group. They could be like, "Why is that person so holy and worship so much and do that?" I mean. They don't, they don't get, you know, some people, they don't get that experience maybe you had in a time of worship where God just downloaded something into your heart, where you sang a song like, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And he did. And now you're passionate about something, but a troll doesn't necessarily get that. They're not on the same page. And I talk to student after student after student that says, you know, you know, it's just hard because I don't really have very many people supporting me, uh, and I feel like I'm all alone. Those are, the, those are trolls. That's a modern-day troll. Dude Perfect, this basketball guy shop, they talk about trolls all the time. I mean, of course they got trolls. They, they are on the Internet, person after person, on their forums, posted on their uh, videos. You know, that shop's garbage, that's fake, that's not real. They did. Um, they partnered with GMC, the truck, uh, General Motors, and the trucks, they did some of the craziest shots where they shot out of a plane, and because they had this sponsor, they had all these HD cameras and actual crew. They talked about in the book, it was crazy. They usually have a handheld camera, but they were walking up to a set with like donuts and bagels, and they had, they had a person that their job was to feed them while they made basketball shots. They said it was the most amazing thing in the world. It was like unreal for these guys. A bunch of college guys that are used to eating ramen noodles, doing trick basketball shots, and all of a sudden have a full production team behind them and someone to do like makeup. I don't know if they actually do makeup stuff, but someone's feeding them. It was crazy. And a lot of people in the community that liked their videos became trolls. They started hating on them for selling out and different things. And they begin to talk about you know, how it's so easy for people who can't relate to what's going on, just and who work there, who aren't a part, who haven't been inspired by that dream, to become a troll and start hating them. I want to read uh, Nehemiah's story. I want to talk about these uh, Sanbalat and Geshem and Tobiah. A couple times in, the, in the, the book of Nehemiah, the heading is, Nehemiah faces opposition. Nehemiah faces opposition again. And, and, and those are kind of the titles. So if you have your Bible, I want you to look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. So here we got opposition to rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah 4 says, When Sambalat, Sanballat, who knows, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer up sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? 
Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? So here's these guys, they come up and they start doing trolling the way it should be, face to face. Not hiding over the internet, sending Nehemiah an email telling him how garbage he is. They show up and they start talking trash. And this is where it gets bad. Tobiah joins in. That was Sambalot. But Tobiah says this. This is brutal. He said, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who is at uh, Sambalot's side, said, What are they building? If even a fox climbed upon it, he would break down their wall of stones. Tobiah, that's rough. Now, I read that and it took me a while to, because at first I'm like, dude, that's the worst trolling Nehemiah face. Like, if someone says that to me, I brush that off my shoulder and I'm like, no big deal. But I have to imagine that if it was, if Nehemiah took the time to write that into his account of rebuilding the wall, it must have meant something uh, pretty significant to Nehemiah. It must have hurt his feelings pretty bad. That's like, Tobiah going up to me and saying, dude, your wall's so weak, even if a fox jumped on it, it would fall over. Now, I know that's kind of ridiculous. Like, I read that, and it doesn't have the, like, the punchline that maybe we're looking for. But again, if Nehemiah wrote it, it had to have been something, I mean, this was a troll talking trash to him. And that's the best, that's the best analogy I can give you. It's like a your mama joke. Your mama's so, you know, whatever, but your wall's so weak, that if a fox jumped on it, it would fall over. And I know, like I said, I know it's kind of cheesy, but that's, the, uh, that, that's what we have, all right? You go on, there's some more trolling going on. Tobias Sambalot and these, these guys who are in the area that aren't Jews uh, say a couple different things. Uh, in verse, what am I at? Six, six, eight through nine. The whole chapter of six is them facing more trolls and opposition. But eight through nine says this. I, at this point, they're building the wall, and Nehemiah, they're, they're getting threats. They're getting threats. You better stop building the wall, or we're going to do something about it. So Nehemiah, he, he instructs all his people. He's all right. Everyone stand guard. I want you to build the wall with mortar in one hand and your sword in the other hand. We are not going to let the trolls get us down. We're not going to feed the trolls, and we are not going to make it any worse. And at this point, they're sending letters to Nehemiah saying, these people said you not. You have to stop. And he's like, I know that's not true. I talked to the king of Persia, Artaxerxes, and he said I could do it. All right? So in 8 through 9, Nehemiah 6, Nehemiah 6, verse 8 through 9, I sent him this reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up in your head. Ooh, take that. In your face, I'm alive. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and will not be completed. But I pray, now strengthen my hands. And this is just an example of Nehemiah saying, you know what, I'm not going to let these trolls get the best of me. Instead, I'm going to use it actually as fuel and I'm going to work harder to prove these people wrong. And I want to give you guys these few pointers when it comes to trolls in your life and you achieving your go big dream for Christ. First thing you have to do is you have to remind yourself that uh, risk and criticism is a natural part of every dream. See, if you're not willing to face some opposition, well, then, then don't even pack your bags and begin the journey because it's going to happen. Okay, you just got to man up and you, you have to face that. Okay, the truth is, if you're not being criticized, you're probably not doing anything worthwhile in the first place, and so. When you, when you see the trolls, 
You know, oh no, what am I going to do? No, no, no. That's, that's part of it. That's, that's to be expected. Okay? And too, too often, you know, we, we pump you guys up and go, you know, let's, we're at desperation. This is going to be an awesome year. It's going to be amazing. And everything's going to be, you know, God's just going to move. And everyone you know and everyone you talk to and lay hands on us become a Christian. And that's not, not really the case. And so I want to prepare you guys that, yes, there will be trolls in your lives that will try to tear you down and will try to tell you that they don't understand your dream. They cannot relate to it. And so they're going to hate on you for it. And finally, when you're at that point when you're down, you're facing these trolls, you really have to ask yourself, whose opinion really matters? Who holds sway over your life? Who has influence on, in your life? Is it the wise people that directed you and kind of shaped you and, and taught you and got you to this place and helped you develop your dream? Or is it the troll who can't relate, who just wants to tear you down? See, so you, you can't just, uh, the first sign of a troll, ditch your dream and, and, and be done with it. And there's going to be a point where you're going to say, who are you going to trust? Who is going to hold the sway over your life? Who is it? People teaching you God's word, people praying for you, people encouraging you, but people who just can't relate. You have to ask yourself that question. That's a decision that you guys are going to have to make. So the first point, man, you guys got to create, we, uh, we have to create momentum with, with just being unified behind you know, things that uh, relate us emotionally, whether that's a panda suit, whether that's a minor suit, whether that's, you know, Friday nights and 10,000 strong, this idea when we've just, we've created excitement behind it and we're, we're going after it. Second thing is you gotta, you gotta watch, you got to watch out for trolls. You've got to identify where those trolls are and you don't feed them. You don't feed the trolls when you do, they keep coming back and you allow them influence into your life. The third one, you know what? I wasn't really sure how to, how to preach this. But when you're going to inspire others, when you go after a dream, you've got to have fun. Just have to have fun. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Fun is refreshing. Fun is refreshing. Deep, not so much. Not a deep theological meaning. Important, absolutely, you bet. See, what happens is we start going after our big dream, and we start working, and we're going after it, and you know, it seems like work, work, work. And if we don't have fun, if we don't laugh with one another, if we don't have uh, any type of joy in what we're doing, we begin to slow down. Begin, the trolls begin to have more influence over us in our life. And we start to buy into some of these trolls' ideas that say, you know what? You are missing out on so much. You're spending so much time serving God in your high school years, but you're missing out on so much other stuff, some fun stuff you could be doing. And, and, and when we're not having fun, these ideas begin to creep in and they begin to kind of take over what we're talking you know, our thought process. I guarantee you, there's, I've never met anyone who said, when I was in high school, I wish I would have spent less time serving God and more time having fun. I mean, it doesn't exist. Never ever meet anyone who will say that to you. I, 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 there's too many people count on one hand that said, I wish I would have spent more time serving God. Every, every one of us who has a serious relationship with God would say that. You guys ever hear of this company, Google? Yes. Google. Google. 
Google, yeah. Uh, if you were on Google today, they, they, they got the black cop thing going on. They're trying to fight SOFA. And if you guys don't know what SOFA is, uh, I did a little research. I, I'm not going to spend time to preach what SOFA is. I have really no vested interest in SOFA. Um, but, actually, I do, but not in this context. So, anyway, point is Google. Google is like the ultimate place to work. Do some research in Google and kind of, if you're an employee at Google, they have what's called 20% time. And what that means is you work four days for Google, you do what they want you to do, you program, you play, I don't know what a Google employee does, I don't know. But your 20% time on that fifth day, you work for Google, do whatever you want. What? Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't think you can like play golf or something, but whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're interested in, you can do whatever you want. Work on that. You work for us for four days, work for yourself that, that other day. I mean, that is stupid awesome. 20% time. I mean, we all need to do 20% time. But I think the point is Google, Google gets it. They want their employees to stay refreshed by doing something they're passionate about and having fun in the workplace. That's, that's awesome. You know, the example I, I use, you know, it's, it's so easy. If we're not having fun it, 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 together as a youth ministry and going towards what God's good big dream is, you know, we can be in the prayer meeting week after week, and, 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 and we can just be, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the prayer meeting you know, lasts half hour, sometimes it lasts two hours, sometimes there's tears, sometimes it's just a regular prayer meeting, though, and, and sometimes we, we get in it and, and we begin to just think, like, you know, why am I, like, is this making a difference? Is, is there really a big difference in, in what I'm doing right now? And when we're not being refreshed, we get our mind, these, these thoughts come in, and that's the way we begin to think. Now, I want to backtrack for a second. I don't want you guys to think that I am diminishing the, the place of prayer or um, saying that uh, you know, the, the work that goes into it uh, about living for God isn't important. You know, I'm also not suggesting that simply by having fun we're going to get the job done. Uh, and that's not what I'm saying. You know, I'm not saying that we water down worship and we play a bunch of games on Wednesday night. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I am saying is that fun has to be part of your go big dream because it will refresh you. And to me, fun doesn't look like playing a stupid game. To me, fun is relationships. My favorite time in youth ministry isn't, I love preaching, I love getting excited and, 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 and worship, I love that. I love Friday nights, I love I loved every part of it. But to me, the, the most refreshing parts, the most fun parts for me, are doing life with you guys, having a frontline meeting where I get to go to someone's house, we get to go in a circle and we get to share. To me, that's the most relational and most fun thing that I get to do. Without those times, I would get burnt out if I just preached over and over again and I never got to have you know, the one-on-one -on -one conversations. And so, having fun doesn't necessarily mean watering things down. It means being, building relationships. And, you know, I could talk about all the fun stuff that Duke Perfect does. And he talks about how, you know, just because you do trick basketball shots doesn't mean there's still a lot of work that goes into it. They do a lot of crazy things to have fun. You know, me and Aaron, we, we make your own fun is like kind of one of our, our life models. We will come up, we will sit there in a pile of rocks, and we will come up with three rock games that we will play. I think he, he talked about that in his last message. 
you know, because having fun is refreshing. Okay? Now, Nehemiah doesn't go right out and say that having fun is what you need to build a wall. No, no, no. Actually, if you read the story of Nehemiah, what I love about Nehemiah is that this guy goes to prayer before anything he does. Before he goes and talks back, back to Sabalat and Tobiah and Geshem, he goes to prayer. Before he went to the king to ask for permission, he goes to prayer. He is a man of prayer, and, and that's, that's where he gains uh, the, the power to, to accomplish his dream. But some of these principles are still the same. Tonight, that principle of refreshing ourselves with fun and relationships is still the same. If you read the story of Nehemiah, chapter 3, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read you some excerpts from it. See, he didn't just go with a couple of guys and say, hey, let's build a wall. He began to inspire others, and people from all over the community decided to join in and be a part of what was going on. It says the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. The Deshanah gate was repaired by Jehoiada, and the valley gate was repaired by Hanum. The dung gate was repaired, and I looked up dung. Yes, that is the gate at the southern end of the city where they burned the crack. Now, I don't know about you guys, that guy must have showed up last to the party because, like, oh, you're last, you got the dung gate, sorry. I want. I would be building the fountain gate. A little drink in the middle. It'd be pretty nice. But doing the dung game would not be my thing. But you read chapter 3. You read chapter 3 and you see all these different people joining in and being a part of what's going on. They're doing it together. To me, that's got to be fun. That's got to be... Because you could easily sit there... Like the example I said in the prayer meeting where you kind of... Is this happening? You could easily sit... Nehemiah, I'm sure they have people put another brick on. And you... Well, why are we even doing this? What was the point? If, if, if they're not having fun and doing this together and, and being inspired by one another, what, what is I'm not. I'm going to stop coming on Wednesday nights consistently because I, I, you've, I've lost the point. I've lost the vision of what's going on because you forgot to build relationships and you forgot to have fun while doing it. And, and, and I know, you know we have fringe and, and we haven't done iron in a while. And I'm committing it to you guys. And we've been working with the visionary team. But we, we really want to make some changes so that we can can make sure that we have opportunities to, to make relationships the most important part of our youth ministry. So uh, to be honest, I don't think that we've done a very good job of that. So I'm committing to you guys to make sure I do the best I can to give you guys the most opportunity to have fun by building relationships together. So the band was come up. We're going to kind of, uh, you know, close out um, the night and, and worship. We're doing things a little bit backwards today. I want to reiterate some of the things I said. I know it wasn't a theologically deep message today, but the points are crucial for us moving forward as we look at this idea of going big. I mean, creating momentum. I mean, that's something you guys you guys can do, um, you know, on your own as far as those things that in, inspire you and and connect each other emotionally. You know, whether it's Handshakes. Whether we get a rhino and we do that, you know, right now we have our vision of ten thousand strong. And that's something we can rally behind. The second thing is, you got to be aware of trolls. And I know that's funny because you know, hey, he's talking about trolls. That's you know, later, that's funny. But in, in all honesty, I mean, every one of us have trolls. There's times where we get discouraged and people speak into our lives, and it's not necessarily something that an encouraging word. And it, it kind of tears us down from what God's plan is. 
and you have to make the choice whether or not whether or not you're going to let that person speak in your life. You, you have to decide who has sway over your life. The person with wisdom who's spoken to your life and got you to the point of your dream or the troll who just tells you your dream is stupid. And thirdly, yeah, fun. Not fun for fun's sake. Fun because fun's refreshing. Because it's a lot, lot better to youth, do youth ministry with people along your sides, people to partner with. No one likes to feel alone like you're going after this deal and build a wall by themselves. Nehemiah would have been burnt out. He sat there and said, I'm just going to do this myself. No way. You guys, if you're going to accomplish your big dream, whatever that is, to be a part of God's big dream for Element and 10,000 Strong, you have to begin to build those relationships, make a proactive effort to be together as a group. That means making things a fringe, which is tomorrow, making something like that a priority. Otherwise, you're going to come to youth group, you're going to come every once in a while, you're not going to care what's going on, because you're not having any fun. It's not because we didn't, I could play a, a fun game up here, that's not going to make you have fun and say, I want to come back to youth group. You can have fun if there's people here you know and are connected with, and you can share life with, that's what's fun. So if you guys can stand up, we're going to pray and just kind of close out tonight in worship.